We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 404. And Scott, the Yankees were about a week, maybe 10 days away from having a perfect offseason. Their, their greatest rivals are crumbling, competing. The, the Astros and the Red Sox are competing for who can have the worst offseason. Meanwhile, the Yankees are over here having a beautiful offseason. Nothing bad happens. They sign Garrett Cole. Everyone's happy. We're about to go to spring training. Sunshine, grown men throwing baseball. Oh, crap. James Paxton had back surgery. What? There's a cyst on a lower back, and all of a sudden we, we got surgery now. And some of this part, some of this stuff is hilarious because we're looking at it's starting already. We're in February, and now we got Boris is like, oh, he's don't worry, he's coming back earlier. He's gonna come back earlier. I exact- believe Scott Boris on everything he says. But the funny thing is, the time frame is exactly the same exactly as what they the said. <laughs> he's just wording it differently and like trying to spin zone the fact that he's coming back sooner, even though it's exactly what they said. First third of the season, I guess, sounds better than out three to four months. But when it's three to four months starting in February, you, you do the math and you're like, okay, he could be back in May. So he misses a month, five starts, he's out. Okay, fine. That's not that's not terrible. But when you start to think about the the timeline of all of it, um, it kind of raises eyebrows and raises some questions because he had surgery on February 5th, but this dates back to 
September 27th, 2019. So I guess, do you want to, do you want to score this for the 2019 injury list? Are we going to put this in the 2019 injury list? Do you want to add another guy? But do you remember he got pulled from his final start of the regular season? Yeah. And we're all like, what's going on? And then they, they downplayed it. He's going to be ready for, for game one of the playoffs. And he was, he started game one of the playoffs, but he's pulled in his start in Texas after an inning on September 27th, 2019. And he received treatment. He responded well. He pitched game one of the ALDS against Minnesota and then game two and game five of the ALCS against Houston. And it also came out that Cashman said the reason Paxton didn't start game one of the ALCS is because he was still recovering from his treatment. So remember we had this whole thing. Boone's like, oh, I just felt like going with Tanaka. Tanaka's my guy. Well, no, actually, Paxton was supposed to be the guy, but he was hurt. Um so he, he starts two games in the playoffs. They evaluate him after the season. Team doctors, outside doctors, all recommend rest, conservative approach to the back injury. I get that. You don't want to rush to surgery. Yeah, you don't want to get into back. surgery unless you have to. And, and that is one of those things. Like when you have uh, any kind of a cyst or some kind of uh, um, scar tissue or anything like that, sometimes it can take care of itself. Mm-hmm. But if it starts to come back, then you have to make the decision. All right, well, now it's come back after X amount of months we should probably just nip this in the bud and remove it because it seems like it's not going to fully go away. So now we can still get him ahead of time frames, you know, have him for the majority of the season if we do this now. And so I kind of point, understand what the what the logic is of waiting and seeing if something can take care of itself. Because, yeah, you never want to go in and, and, and no, start cutting unless you have to. Absolutely not. And, you know, I got some backlash on Twitter because I sort of outlined the timeline and everyone's like, well, every doctor would not, prescribe you know every doctor said the same thing so the yankees followed it and i get that and then it, the, the whole classic sports radio thing where anyone with the same or similar injury has to throw in their opinion i've never had back surgery i hope to never go through back surgery and everyone who's out there and gone through back surgery i know it's very serious but the fact is the yankees were alerted about paxton's issue not going away four to six weeks ago that's mid to late december yeah at that point i think you need to make a make a decision on the surgery. You know what I mean? You need to say, okay, we're going to do it now, late December. And then a, a, a three to four month time frame doesn't really impact his season. Whereas you waited until February 5th. Why did you wait four to six weeks after he said, guys, this is not going away? That has to raise questions, especially when you have the Yankees medical staff coming off the worst possible year imaginable. They don't have a good track record. So why am I or any fan out there going to give them the benefit of the doubt? Well, I mean, again, I think when the process plays out, depending on what that process was, is, you know, we let rest take care of it. If it does, then great. Then we don't have to go into surgery. But after it comes back, well, then maybe they have another proceed or another, you know, um, set of, of actions that they have to take before they get to surgery. You know, maybe if it comes back again, it's not an immediate decision to go to surgery. Maybe it's still one more treatment possibility. See if that works. And if that doesn't work, then we have surgery. So we don't know what the process was behind the scenes, but I do understand the fact that when you're talking about a guy's back and um, specifically lower back, hip area, pretty important for for a professional athlete, especially a pitcher with that much flexibility and going through and movement in the hip area. So maybe they were trying to exhaust exhaust all options. You just said it, professional athlete. He's got something to be ready for. He has a date that he needs to be ready for. His job officially starts 
September or excuse me, February thirteenth or fourteenth, whatever. No, you, but you know what I'm saying. It's but not that's like being any... short, that's that's short sighted. That's short sighted to because as a professional athlete, this season is extremely long. We want to make sure that this guy is there for the majority of the season. I mean, we're not playing. Yeah, I know. I, I understand that the games in April and May mean as much as they do as the ones in August and September. That being said, they don't because the you want your guy healthy for the duration and ready to go for the end of the season, not necessarily as important for the beginning of the season, but you want that's him to be what I right. Meant. That's not what I meant. What I'm saying is a professional athlete, can't. It, you can't look at it the same way as you just do a regular citizen because a regular citizen, yeah, let's keep waiting and then surgery is the last possible resort because all that person has to do is maybe go sit in an office or, or just go to work regularly. It's not the same thing as being a professional athlete trying to get ready for a regular season. It's not. Who's, who's saying it is? Their bodies are totally different. And that's why they have to be even more careful with their bodies than you would you and me. You and me, like you said, just got to sit at a desk. These guys are using their bodies to make a living. So they better make goddamn sure that's the right move. It's not, it's not to me, when you're talking about the human body and you're talking about things that you're going to be doing to it, you're not going to push that process forward because they're a professional athlete. No, no, you're going to make sure the decision is correct. End of the day. You got to okay. make sure the decision is correct. So the, you... You just think this is just unfortunate timing, unfortunate thing. Paxson has a history of injuries. He's never pitched a full season without going on the injured list at some point. It's He's unfortunate that we have to than, hear about this. I yes. believe a hundred and was a hundred sixty innings is his, his like career that. high. Hundred seventy well, innings. Let's be honest. That's probably at the higher end of of, uh, of good at this point. No, no, I'd it's say pretty close to. It. I'd say one eighty. I'd say if you now one eighty, if you. Top 180, that's that's like a good, durable season. 160 is not. For a number three slash four? It has nothing to do with a number three or number four. I mean, that means you're, you're missing a at least a month of the season. That's not durable. Yeah. Or well, you're well, just, what I'm or you're just getting pulled. When you have the Yankees medical staff, and I know they have a new system training, in place training now, a new system. training system in place now. So this doesn't really – that doesn't really – affect what happened back in September of last year, but nor is Eric Cressy probably in decisions about surgery or no surgery. Right. So, but what Eric Cressy is hopefully going to be in charge of is making sure all these injuries don't happen because it's a different training and different preparation and all that kind of stuff. But when the Yankees had such a terrible season for injuries and the medical staff, like miscalculated timelines and mis misdiagnosed things and didn't do MRIs on Severino and and uh, didn't evaluate Aaron Hicks correctly and, and all this stuff. I'm sorry. I don't give them the benefit of the doubt on Paxton because of what happened last year. Yeah. I mean, look, it's unfortunate. There's there's definitely uh, optics are we're, – we're, we're weighing on the side of like let's blame every single thing on the medical staff because there were so many injuries. I get it. When you're talking about assist, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what you do on that point. You don't do – but you, you – you evaluate it and you make the right call to fix it. And maybe that's what they did. Maybe, maybe so. I'm not a doctor. You're a fake doctor. I'm not even a fake doctor. So, yeah. so I don't know. It, it doesn't impact the Yankees dramatically because if he does stick to his timeline, he'll be back in May and that's okay. That it's is fine. okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. So the Yankees are going to go into the first one to two months of the season down Paxton. Yeah, that sucks, but they still have Cole Severino and Tanaka <laughs> knocking on wood for all of them that they can all stay healthy. Well, and, and, and we're also looking now at, at why this depth comes into play 
And and one of the reasons I think they kept Hap is because you just don't know, and he's a guy that you could go to in that they fifth spot. That. Or the the fact that and or and and or that Jordan Montgomery is is going to be ready to go as well, and he's he has major league innings under his belt. He's a guy that they can you know depend on for for starts at the end of the rotation. So you know I think they're stolen in a spot that's. Uh, that's that's good for them in, in because of that depth and not to mention all these other these younger guys that are you know very close to coming up um, and have had innings the Michael Kings the uh, the, the Davy Garcias like we got guys that are going to be competing for starts at some point yeah Montgomery I think was probably on track to start in AAA if everything went to plan probably. and all the starters stayed healthy he was set to start in AAA and now this opens the door for him to start in the majors in his first full season back from Tommy John surgery. And Hap will be the fourth starter. Cashman said this is a reason why we weren't quick to trade him. So, you know, maybe that's maybe that's uh maybe that's the reason, or maybe the reason is because no one is willing to take on Hap and, and some of his money. We we'll never know. But for the first couple months of the season, we're gonna see Montgomery, Sessa, King, Loisica. Maybe we'll see more opener. Maybe the opener is not dead because of, of the injury. Like I'm serious. I, no, I know kidding. you are. I'm still rolling my eyes because I hate You're rolling your eyes, but is it going to surprise you if Chad Green opens a game and then they go to Luis Sessa? Is that going to surprise you? <laughs> it's so dumb. Is it? It's, no, it won't surprise me because it's been done before. They've, they've shown that they will do it, but do I want to see it? Hell no. How is that any dumber than having Luis Sessa start and pitch four to five innings and then bringing in Chad Green versus Chad Green pitching the first two innings and then Luis Sessa pitches four innings? Because the world has a process, and this is part of the process. You start the goddamn game, <laughs> you get as much length from that guy as possible, and then you go into your bullpen. That's why. There's no other reason. That's it. We live in a society. I'm not making up words and creating new little niches for these guys so that they can get screwed in arbitration again because now they're an opener or they're a starter or they're a reliever or they're an eighth inning guy. Or a, it doesn't matter. Put the guys that can pitch the longest in the front of the goddamn game. Use the guys as fire extinguishers at the end who have the best stuff who can come in and blow people away. Please. I think Jesus because Christ. in 2020, you're going to hit a big birthday milestone. I'm not going to ruin it for people yet. But I think you're going to be at the age now where it's just like old man yelling at Cloud. And I feel like <laughs> we need to do a new segment where Scott yells at Cloud. Fine. I will yell at Clouds all day long. <laughs> Scott too yells. goddamn white. The ball is too white. They can't see it. The seams are not nor <laughs> high nor low. They're, they're, they're neither. <laughs> they're getting blisters. They're not. They're, you know. What is what is up? What is down? Nobody knows. Scott yells at baseball nerd. So it might be the, the new segment. <laughs> the opener has to go away. It's just one of those things. Like I understand that baseball and sports goes through these like they go through phases and, and, and trends and like things become hot. Like that, you know, for a long time in basketball, and it's still a case, like the center is not a thing, right? Like they're they're not even playing with positions anymore. At some point, we will get a few guys like Shaq coming into the league and the center will be back. And they will run the game through the middle of the court like they did with Shaq and, and Tim Duncan and these guys. It, it'll change again. Fads and, and trends, that'll all go away. The opener needs to go away. So uh, just one last thing on Paxton, though, because like I said, he's always he's had injury problems in every one of his seasons. This is yeah. definitely going to affect his contract. What come, oh, yeah. This is the last year of his arbitration, so he's going to be a free agent next year. But... He's got such a bad track record of injury history. And it, 
that's most certainly going to come into play come contract time. Oh, there's no doubt about it. You're going to see you're going to see that as probably one of the biggest um, deterrents for him getting a long term contract. Even though we've seen now this year, uh, you know, if he can if he can come back from this surgery in in May, early June, and and be pitching in the major league level, and then have a, a full season from there, that will absolutely help him big time because we're seeing. Guys that have had injury histories that still are getting those five-year contracts. Um, I mean, Strasburg is a classic case. Gets the seven-year deal. That, I mean, he, it's a different scenario. I understand that because he won the World Series. But also, and, he's, and he's a he's a dominant guy. He's a better pitcher than Paxton has ever been. But he also has significant injury risk. Significant. Yeah, Strasburg has pitched full seasons. It took him a long time to get to that but point. But Paxton has never pitched a full season. Right, but like if you I, look at the age, you know, there's there's a. I'm saying if he can come back for this year and say that there's nothing in his history that says he will, but maybe this surgery was like something that that needed to happen for him for him to stay healthy. Who the who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I don't but know. yes, it'll cer- certainly be one of the um you know one of the be the big key points uh, of negotiation for his uh, for his next contract. Because I think if Paxton, if everything went as progression, right? Paxton had such a good second half of the season last year. If he took that into a full season next year, he was going to be looking at a, a big ass free agent contract, like probably six to seven years. He still like, could, man. If he if he could put together a good year with a big lefty like that, I still could see him getting that. People oh take risks. Everybody's taking a risk now. Yeah, that's a that's to me that's such a huge risk. He was looking at like a a I think a Wheeler plus contract probably probably maybe Patrick Corbin contract. If he had a, a really, if he took last year's second half into this year's full season, he was looking at Patrick Corbin money. I don't Patrick Corbin only had now. one. Patrick Corbin only put together one year uh, before he got. But that it contract. was one. Like, I understand I, that, but I'm saying if he can come back this year and, and pitch the full season after he get, comes back and only misses a month, I, you know, to me, you're you're still and, and into the postseason, you're still doing that. Yeah. He and can it, still get a Boris, five to six year deal. Boris is his client, and that guy's got some witchcraft behind him. So who knows what the hell? Yeah, come on, let's be honest. He's not settling for less Dark than a five or six year deal. There. Yeah. All right, we're gonna do a new segment here, and I'm gonna just briefly set it up. It's it's make the case brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook expert. Use promo code BlueWire, all one word, for a fifty percent welcome bonus. What we're going to do here is we're going to make the case. We're going to argue one side of a specific argument. Today's argument is going to be, is the Mookie Betts slash David Price to LA Dodgers, is that a good thing or a bad thing for the Yankees? All right. You want, you want me first? to go first? All right. I'll, I'll go first. So I, I think when you look at this, there's, there's, uh, there's different ways that we will probably agree and a lot of ways that we will disagree. Let me start with the, with the, um, with the side that I think is a better... I and I have caveats because that's just this is not an this is not an, uh, an easy um, you know, like clean answer to me. I want and I think it's better for the Yankees right now for this trade to uh, to go through and for them to be in the other in the other league because at that point the Yankees are going to be in the regular season playing the Red Sox what 17, 18 times and they're playing, you, I think they're playing nineteen nineteen times. Sorry, you have the um, the Boston Red Sox without Mookie Betts, without David Price. David Price started to pitch better. I know it's he's the Yankees are and David Price don't they get along very well on the Yankee side. But Mookie Betts is you know one of the best, if not the best player in the league. He's he's right yeah, up there. Yeah, I've seen him ranked anywhere from second to fifth, like this week. 
So you look at him and you say, take that guy out of a game for out of 19 games. That gives the Yankees a much better opportunity to win games in your own division, to um, to you know amass more wins so that you can get home field advantage. You can do a number of these things that help the Yankees in the regular season. That being said, they're going to a team that's probably going to be now the favorite, if not very close to the favorite, to win the World Series. But guess what? That's a long time away. I will deal with that when the time comes. I need to get as much done in the American League East as possible. And with that, with them gone, it makes the Red Sox worse, and it makes the Yankees uh, a, a much more superior team, even with them there. So that that's all, why I want them there. That all makes sense on paper. But guess what? Something that's not on paper is the hilarity and chaos that will ensue if the Red Sox have to bring back Mookie Betts, and especially David Price, who is a notorious crybaby. You think he was a pain in the ass when he was getting in fights with Dennis Eckersley and playing video games and backing out of starts against the Yankees because he was afraid to start at Yankee Stadium? Imagine how much of a pariah in that clubhouse he is going to be when he was shipped to another team but then had to be brought back because the Red Sox completely botched up this three-team trade. And the only reason the Red Sox are really backing on this is because they got so much backlash, not only from their fans, but the entire baseball world was like, uh, John Henry, you're a disgrace for trading away the second best player in Major League Baseball because you don't want to go over the luxury tax, even though you're one of the richest humans on earth, never mind richest teams in Major League Baseball. So I just want to see, see some, some people just want to watch the world burn. I want to watch the Red Sox burn. That's what, that's what I, it, that's honestly, yeah, Yankees winning is great. I love watching the Yankees win. But but watching the Red Sox burn is so sweet. I just want to watch it. Oh, give me all the burning of those Red Sox. The thing about so that fun. though, the thing about that though is that they they'll come back and and yeah, it'll look bad for a while until they start playing and they play. If they play well, then it won't matter. Nothing will matter except for them playing well. But I think because Mookie Betts is dead set on going to free agency, he has told the Red Sox, "I want to hit free agency." Because he also said, "Oh, I want to support the players' union," and me hitting free agency is good for the players' union. So that's such bullshit. Whatever it is, he wants to go to free agency and get four hundred million dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. And David the, Price, yeah, he doesn't give a rat's ass about the players' union. That's just a nice little narrative for them. And the Red Sox wanted to get rid of David Price so bad they were willing to take on a prospect from the Twins who has so many medical problems and a outfield young outfielder from the Dodgers who seems like a bad guy. And we're going to talk about that story in a minute. But they basically gave away Mookie Betts just because they wanted to get rid of half of David Price's money. And I just think, you know, you talked about the Dodgers getting better. Yeah, that makes the Dodgers a lot better. But the Dodgers have been the favorite in the National League for the past few years. They didn't even get to the World Series last year, and they lost the World Series the previous two years before that. So there's, you know, so well, many things. Well, well, well. what you know what I mean. Like, there's so <laughs> many things that have to happen before the Yankees would potentially play the Dodgers in the World Series. I don't think you can think about that. I'm thinking about the the regular season, playing your own division, and and just watching the Red Sox crumble. And I think that would be sweet. Yeah, I, you know, I think that when you're talking about this and you're looking at like the different possibilities, it was bothering me that the Dodgers came in and swooped in again and let them out of their contracts. But when you see the actual details of it and the fact that the Red Sox were still eating, you know, a good chunk of that David Price contract, the Dodgers actually got a really good deal in the way that they came in and were paying Price for, you know, not what not what he um, earned or not what he inked. The Red Sox were still picking up a piece of that and you're getting Mookie Betts. Like they were going to spend a lot of money, 
But it wasn't the same type of bailout that it was in the past where oh, they were no. just absorbing everything. Like they were, the Red Sox were still having to pay. Um, but, and it was a, a clear money dump and a clear uh, position. That, like we're not going to sign Mookie. We know that. And even if the Red, like, do you think that the Red Sox come out and they offer that $400 million contract to Mookie Betts? Do you think he's taking it? Because I, I think he might not. Let's continue to talk about that. That was Make the Case brought to you by betonline.ag. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, for your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. Uh, so he his agent asked or said, we want, we want Mike Trout-ish money. He's not going to top Mike Trout because no one's ever going to top Mike Trout. He's, he's the unanimous best player in Major League Baseball. No one's going to top top his contract because yeah they will no one I mean, playing today will top mike trout's contract uh maybe maybe not we we got to see how inflation happens yeah but i don't i don't know anyway uh that's a different argument but say the red sox offered mookie bets um you know 11 years which is one year less than than mike trout and then you know a couple million less aav so 11 years 390 million or whatever that that you know equals out to be um I think he takes that because that's still, I think, more than he's going to get on the open free agent market. And that is that I still because he asked for Mike Trout money and that is almost Mike Trout money. And then if he turns that down, what is what is he? You know, the Red Sox say, well, we we gave you what you asked for. What, what are you doing? You're just lying to us at that point. No, yeah. You could just say, I don't want to play for you. But, your, but your, your management, your ownership is very wishy-washy. They can't evaluate trades properly. But that, he's not going to say that because then that <laughs> takes – that that affects his free agency because then yes. he's saying – because then – He's know, playing God. There's a rumors that more. he wants – I believe he's from the Atlanta area. Is that correct? I'm not sure where he's from. I'll look it up while we're talking. All right. So I believe he's from the Atlanta area and there's there's theories anyway, reports that he wants to play in his hometown. The Atlanta Braves are not going to spend $400 million on Mookie oh, Betts. No. no, no, they're definitely not. So there's like only a few teams that can afford Mookie Betts for what he's asking. That's the Red Sox. So he's not going to take one of those teams out of it. That's the Yankees. The Yankees are not going to do that because they have too many other outfielders who are going to be demanding big money or already making big money. There's no place for Mookie Betts on the team. The Cubs, the Dodgers, he's the from Angels. Nashville. He's from Nashville. Oh, he's from Nashville? No, he's not. He's from, yeah. from Nashville? Uh, his junior year at John Overton High School in Nashville. Oh, wow. So, okay, but that's like, what's the, I don't know what the Atlanta ties are, but um, the Braves I mean, he, are Maybe now, he, grew, he might have grown up a, a Braves fan. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, the, Braves, are, the Braves, isn't the Braves a minor league team in Nashville? I don't know. Now you're getting into details that I'm not sure about. But I can tell you that if it's it's further down there, I'm sure there's a lot of Braves fans in that area. So what I'm saying is there's like only a handful of teams that could even afford what Mookie Betts is asking for, and the Red Sox are one of them. So I don't think he's going to completely take the Red Sox out of negotiations because there is a scenario. I don't think this is going to happen. But the Red Sox are, if this trade goes through, they are resetting the luxury tax, just like the Yankees did, just like all a lot of other teams have done. They could then go back next offseason and re-sign Mookie Betts to his $400 million that he wants and not have to deal, you know, and the luxury tax will reset. That could happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but it could happen. It could happen. That is something that could happen. That would be a, that would be a very uh, interesting and uh, intricate plan if that were 
and a lot of things would have to line up if that if that was like their plan, but uh, it's it's probably not. It's not one of those things. Oh, and by the way, he's cousins with uh, Terry Shumpert. I'm sorry, Terry Shumpert's and Terry Shumpert's son. Terry Shumpert was a utility guy, uh, Major League Baseball. I think he played with the Braves for a while. Played with uh, the Royals, the Devil Rays. Played with a number of teams. So his cousin is also was also drafted by the Atlanta Braves. Mookie okay, Betts' so maybe, cousin. Maybe that's why he has some Braves ties. Yeah. Or you made it up, which is probably, you no, know, because as, as high a likeliness as, as that. I did not make it up. I There's some tweet that I probably read that said, oh, there's theories that he wants to play in Atlanta. I mean, <laughs> there has been report. This has been a hell of a week for reporting on this trade because it was through. It was confirmed then it was not confirmed. Then the twins were in then the twins were out. And it all because the Red Sox basically wanted to get more out of the deal because Gatterall who is the prospect that came from the Twins, who is a young uh, pitcher who can throw 100. He actually pitched against the Yankees in game one of the ALDS, throwing 100 miles an hour. But there's something in his MRI that indicated he's not going to be a starter and he's going to be a reliever. Which is so crazy. Yeah. Oh, the Twins. The the crazy thing is... The way that the ligament looked in the MRI, yeah. that, that is not that is not what a starter's ligament looks like. I mean, you look at any major league or any baseball pitcher's MRI, it's going to look weird because it's not a natural motion to throw like that. Yeah. So you could find anything. You could nitpick and find anything. But the Twins even said, like last year, on like public record, Gatterall projects to be a reliever because of his medicals or whatever. So this is not like the Red Sox just discovered this. They are backing on this deal because they got so much backlash from their fans and the national baseball media. There were articles written on a national level criticizing the Red Sox for dumping the second best player in Major League Baseball all because of money. You know, we've seen teams, the Orioles wanted to trade um, uh, Manny Machado because they know they couldn't, they knew they couldn't sign him. But the Orioles are not the Red Sox. Like other teams have done this to their best players because they physically were not in a place to sign him. The Red Sox are not one of those teams. So this is just a strict money thing. You don't see it so often either. Criticism. When when you have a, a, a franchise guy like that, you lock that guy up, especially if you're in a position like the Red Sox are where they can. So yeah. it doesn't happen very often uh, that that you know, this guy is, is not going to sign there. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe one of the big reasons behind the scenes also, it's just because they know enough money won't, there won't be enough money to, to get this guy back in. And like, I, think, I don't like, I don't think we can offer enough money for it to get back in. I, there's the narrative there. Maybe he said something and like, that's why it's happening. And I would we, believe that there's a lot of that too. I agree. And, and, and they're saying if we can, <clears throat> if we can um, offload David Price, with Mookie Betts and get something for them, that's more valuable than getting a couple draft picks or getting a draft pick when Mookie Betts leaves. Yeah. And just to clarify, Terry Shumpert did not play, the uh, the father, Terry Shumpert, who played in <laughs> 1990 to 2003, did not play for the Braves, played for the Royals, uh, the Red Sox for a season, the Cubs, the San Diego Padres, Colorado Rockies for like five years. And then this is, this is funny. So his age 36 year, there, there's a, um, an under the team, it says TBD. I'm like, TBD? Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Oh, was there, oh, there abbrevi- but their appreciation was TBD. I just thought that was funny. Confirmed. Um, uh, Mookie Betts signing with the Devil Rays. <laughs> so TBD uh, was the last season. And then his kid, which is Mookie Betts' cousin, drafted by the Atlanta Braves. Okay, great. <laughs> There's your Kevin Bacon 
Yeah, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon, yeah. So the other part of the trade that the Red Sox got was Alex Verdugo, who had a pretty solid rookie year, had 2.2 war in 106 games. He's only 23 years old. He also has some injury issues. I believe uh, back is causing him to uh, be delayed for spring training. But then I came across this article um, about a sexual assault case that he was linked to. He did not physically commit a sexual assault, but he was apparently in the room and filming the sexual assault. And there, that is in a police report. Like This is not rumors. This is an actual police report. So Verdugo does not seem like a good guy. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's not a good thing to have linked to you. That's, uh, that's a strange... Look, the, um, there are so many things now with uh, with this trade that you look at checkered history of, of who the people are. The fact that the 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 Red Sox are are either you know not scouting guys properly or just using anything they can to get out of a deal. It's just a lot of a lot of uncertainty in with an organization and and just interesting on a, on a bad way moves. That if you're Mookie Betts and they do offer you the farm, how can you possibly look at that organization and have, some, have confidence in it? They also just fired a guy for you know one of the biggest cheating scandals in in baseball recent history. So you're looking at at all of that as well. There's just a lot of bad things circling around that organization. Not to mention the the history of the Red Sox and uh, and their um, their link and tie to. Uh, to African-American players in baseball, not a good history there. There's just a lot of things that don't that add up. When I'm, If I'm Mookie Betts and I'm looking at what's happening in Boston, currently, historically, maybe I don't want to be here. You could actually uh, another make the case. Maybe we'll, we'll do this for another episode. You can make the case that the Red Sox have had a worse offseason than the Astros somehow. Yeah, I mean, with, if, if Mookie Betts is not on that team, <laughs> and they get some garbage prospects now from the Twins because the Twins have said, like, you know what? Not happening. No, the, now twins, gonna... the Twins are supposedly out of the deal altogether. I, so Until they throw garbage prospects in and, and everybody uh, – or, or, like, lower prospects or, you know, two to three prospects. Why are, like, are the okay. Twins involved in the deal anyway, though? It makes no sense because they want Maeda from the Dodgers. Why not just work out a direct deal with the Dodgers for Maeda? And they might still – and um, because basically, I, I mean, I don't know why the Dodgers are basically just giving away Maeda. Solid pitcher for reasonable money. Like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Actually, that makes the Twins better. Like, I don't want the Twins to get Maeda. Twins won their division last year and they didn't have any pitching. And now they're going to get a solid pitcher for an affordable price. But they're getting, they've gotten a lot more. Yeah, they've gotten, they've definitely bolstered their entire team, actually. They've so, gotten a lot better this offseason. And Maeda is not a great pitcher, but he's a quality pitcher. Yeah, he's a guy that could go out there and get some innings. So, I don't know. It just seems weird that they were involved in this three-team deal anyway. But the Red Sox are now supposedly just trying to work out the deal with the Dodgers. Um, and I think it. I think they have to push it through because, as I said in my Make the Case, you know, that scenario where those players come back to the Red Sox, I think that is going to be a disaster. I hope it happens from an entertainment perspective, but I don't think it will because I think once, you, once it's out there, guys are, are traded away. You can't bring them back. And it's going to have to happen quick because spring training is next week. Yeah, pitchers and catchers coming into play, man. This is uh, it, It's got to go through. I, I mean, I think it's gone too far for it not to go through at this point. But And there's also pressure from the Angels because the Jock Peterson deal has been held up. Yeah, and you know damn well Mookie Betts wants to play with the Dodgers. Definitely. Over the Red Sox, definitely. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great scenario for him, actually. The Last year, going on to a phenomenal, going on to an amazing, like a very, very good team in LA. It's a, it's a perfect scenario for Mookie Betts. He's, the lineup is going to have so much support that he's going to be seeing, you know, a ton of pitches. Probably well, more pitches in the National League than he would in the American League. I, I don't know. I mean, depending on can, where he's batting. Can you say that the Dodgers lineup projects to be better than the Red Sox were in 2018? They were a fantastic offense. And he had in an MVP 2018? season. In 2018? Yeah, he had the MVP season. I mean, the lineup was unbelievable. Maybe we know why. Because they knew well, that's pitches what, were coming. Yeah, but, I, I don't think, you know, when you look at 2019, though, there were injuries. There were things. If you're putting in that same squad now, it's a different lineup. Whereas yeah. you're on the Dodgers, it's a better lineup. It's more powerful lineup. It's more potent. Gonna get more pitches. Just a better scenario. Bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's been. It's been. Uh, it, this is. I mean. This is just. I mean. It looks bad though. Altogether. This whole thing looks bad. Yeah. It looks bad. It looks terrible. All on the Red Sox. <laughs> I love it. it can, uh, it's just amazing the fall that the Red Sox had in a year and a half. They. They were. World Series winner, 106, 108 games, whatever they won. Looked like they had the manager for the next decade, the second best player in baseball. <laughs> it all just came crumbling down within a year and a half. You know, sometimes when you don't ha- actually have a strong foundation and it's a little bit of a fake foundation, things can crumble quickly. That's what you're looking back at what happened in that year and all of the, you know, all of the breaking balls that Steve Pierce hit out of the to the moon waiting, sitting back and waiting the three home run game that he hit. Go watch those at-bats. Go watch those at-bats. That son of a bitch was waiting, just sitting back on these balls like he was like on a recliner, just just chilling, just chilling, drinking a beer, waiting for that breaking ball, hitting it to the moon. Crumble because it was fake. <laughs> and the Red Sox replaced Cora supposedly, reportedly with Ron Renneke. He has not been named yet, and I believe he has not been named because they're waiting for their punishment or the uh, the report from Major League Baseball to come through. Because Renneke has been their bench coach, so if Renneke is named in that report, they're obviously not going to name Renneke. But <laughs> <laughs> don't they know that if he was, they should know if he was named. They should know if he's going to be named. They should know this. They should know this. <laughs> this is like the Mets going out and hiring Beltran. This is so stupid. Do you realize that pitchers and catchers report in like days and the yeah. Red Sox don't have a manager? I know. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's but the so fact that they, that they potentially might hire somebody uh, that's, you know, may get linked into an investigation. Like, oh, you should that know. would be so good. You Pretty need to, if you don't know what's happening in your own house, you have so many bigger problems. <laughs> they name Renicky and then like a day later it comes out that he was a mastermind behind some sort of cheating. Maybe oh, someone's so waiting good. for that. Maybe we're just waiting for the, the drop. We're like, let's wait till the Red Sox hire somebody so that we can smear it. He uh, he managed the Brewers in 2011 through May of 2015, and he was fired. I don't know why he was fired, probably because he sucks. Have you ever seen an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. They're not meant to be untucked. Thankfully... There is Untuck It, the original button-down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your shape or your size, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect length untucked. With over 50 combinations that fit your body, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, athletic guys of all ages. They fit me perfectly. I love the way that they look. They get me that uh, little bit of a, a form cut up top. 
and not too baggy. I hate baggy shirts. So these shirts are actually very great. Choose a style from wrinkle-free button-down, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It's, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is super easy to use. Even have an entire page devoted to helping you actually find your fit. So whether you're shopping for your perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com, promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, speaking of cheating, AJ Hinch, the, the story that's not going away because not all the information is out there. Um, and there's you know another Wall Street Journal or a Wall Street Journal article posted as well, mere hours before Hinch's interview. But let's talk about his interview first. Um, I have some takeaways on it. So overall, I just think he was disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, this is where I'm going to edit in the Violent Femme song "Lies." Just lies, 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 lies. There's just everything is all lies. It's all bullshit. He's, they're only talking about what they need to talk about in that given moment. That's it. Well, I just think it's the the fact that it's disingenuous to actually think he could go on TV and only apologize slash take accountability for not taking action. Like, that's all he's like, oh, I didn't take action. I blame myself as a leader. Isn't it, isn't it back to the arrogance? Isn't it still back? I, I feel like there's still that like that, that lingering arrogance uh, behind all of the words. Like, I'm only going to take... And this is going to go over well. I'm they'll understand. I'm only going to take credit for not, you know, smashing enough TVs. That's and, what I'll take credit for. And that is the part I really want to talk about because there was a question that Verducci asked or he posed the question. He said, "Quote: The commissioner's report says, quote, the players said if the manager asked us to stop, we would have stopped." And that is such horseshit because whether Hinch. Clearly, that wasn't the case. Clearly, the the players did not respect Hinch, or Hinch was totally fine with it. Right. You can't have both, because yes. if if the players respected Hinch, and and they knew Hinch wasn't okay with it, if he's smashing monitors, it would have stopped. You would think. Or Hinch was basically okay with it, and he's like, "Well, we're winning. My players are happy. They're all on the same page. I'm not going to lose the clubhouse by telling them to stop." Look, guys, I'm going to smash this TV. I understand that we can get one on Amazon on same-day delivery, but I'm just for the can record. We check I'm, the red, can we check the Astros Amazon purchases and see how many <laughs> monitors were shipped in that for, time frame? For the record, I'm smashing this TV, just so you know. Yeah. Per, per umph. I mean, that's it's just it, the, it, the way that Hinch – the way it's described anyway is that Hinch had no control over that clubhouse and everything was going around Hinch. Lunau knew about it. Cora knew about it. The players were orchestrating it. And it's all just going around A.J. Hinch. A.J. Hinch is just there, not controlling anything. Just hearing the banging coming from the hallway behind him, but not being able to do a damn, th- damn thing about it. Oh, he's morally against cheating. But all I'm going to do is take a bat to a monitor. I'm not going to say, hey, hey guys, cut the shit. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to sneak. I'm going to sneak in early in the morning and smash the monitor. And then, and then the the intern who's using the code breaker friggin' program to figure out signs is like, "Hey guys, um, I just ordered a new monitor because someone smashed it again." 
he guys, I'm gonna order a new monitor because I think that um, on our on the calendar it said that AJ was going to smash a TV at 9:05. So we got one yeah. coming. <laughs> and so but that, that, was this interview giving you any of the uh, you know Katie Couric uh, A Rod vibes? Because it was for me. Yeah, yeah, and and it just you know he he dodged all the stuff about 2019. They played his comments of in 2019 playoffs at at Yankee Stadium when he's so arrogant and so sarcastic about the whistling and he he had such a rehearsed statement remember when he was like oh if we knew this was going to bother the Yankees so much we would have practiced it more in spring training like that's such arrogance and he's lying through his teeth you could tell he's lying through his teeth and he does and he tried to dodge the 2019 question or future past 2017 question so much because it's bullshit there's no way they were not cheating in 2018 and 2019. And the fact that they're still denying that, and MLB is denying any evidence of them cheating beyond 2017, is going to come back to bite them in the ass because it will come out, and it's starting to come out. Uh, Jared Diamond's article in the Wall Street Journal talked about, alluded to cheating past 2018, evidence that points to cheating past 2017. didn't specifically say what, but it said there is evidence. Um so this is all going to come out and it's just little little trickles coming out about the cheating and that's why the story's not going away because we still don't know the truth. And as long as you only tell part of the truth, the story never dies. That Fangraphs article that I was referencing uh, earlier as well from March of 2019 talked about the fact that the Astros front office is becoming so difficult to get any information out of that there are so many rumors think of, swir- of, of swirling of what's happening back there, but nobody can find out actual information because they've they've turned it off. They've locked the doors. They they threw away the key. No information is getting out. It's becoming like you know the New England Patriots. You can't get information out of that building. You just and that's what was happening. And when that starts happening, kind of out of nowhere, you're you're there. That's smoke. That is smoke, and you're wondering why those why are the gates locked? Mm. Why are the gates locked? Why are the chains on the gate? Why? And uh, they also showed Hinch the Gaddis Farquhar at bat, which was um, like the really like the the main one, the first video to come. out. The first out. one that came out. There's no way he hadn't seen that before. He acted like he'd just seen it for the first time, which was horseshit. And um, my last takeaway was that I think Hinch needs a new haircut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably the least of his concerns at this point, but. Because he's, he's going to be spending a lot of time inside, I think, for Couldn't a while. take a man seriously with that haircut. It looks like he's nine years old. I can't take him seriously anyway because he's a lying son of a bitch. But, you know, maybe maybe that's part of the punishment. He, he just stays with the bad haircut forever. So the article also you know, brought up the, the code breaker. That's what they called this Excel program that would decipher signs quicker. And basically it's what the Astros and probably other teams were using where you put in a sequence of signs. You put in enough data. It's just going to figure out the sequence for you versus a a human brain having to calculate it. So it's going to just do it quicker. And this program was first brought to Lunau on September 22nd of 2016. It was brought to him by intern Derek uh, Vigoa. This is is the best part. He was an intern. Intern Derek was an intern in 2016. 16, yep. And now in 2019, he was senior manager for team operations. Moving on up. This guy is just like climbing the chain as fast as he possibly can. I wonder how he climbed the Astros corporate ladder. Oh, so I don't know. He's number one cheater in the organization. That guy. That guy. That guy moves quick. I got such uh, imitation game 
vibes. This was it's a movie. I don't know. I know Scott, you've never seen it. We were just talking about this before, but um, it was a great movie. I don't know when it I actually think it came out right around 2016, but about um, uh, World War II and how the British deciphered the Nazis' signals, and they were able to figure out when airstrikes were coming and where bombing raids were coming, so they were ready for the strikes. And, and the Nazis were like, how come every time we go and try and bomb a city, like we're met with such resistance because they deciphered signs and that, that kind of, that kind of counterintelligence uh, was so valuable. Yeah. It's so valuable when you're trying to prevent the loss of millions of lives, but maybe it's not so valuable or not needed when you're just talking about uh, sporting events and baseball games. Um, but I, I got, um, I got code breaker imitation vibes when I was reading that article. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's interesting when you see like, and you know, a lot of teams I guarantee are using this type of technology to, to break codes and to decipher things so that they can have signs. You know, this is all part of research that's happening ahead of uh, a series or, um, you know, evaluating tape. Like that's happening. I guarantee in every clubhouse, they're looking at this stuff, you know, before the games and, and it's part of the preparation for the notes for the game itself. So that if there is a guy on second base and you're doing it that way, like they're looking for a sign and they can relay it. Like that's part of the game at this point. Let's just all be very clear on that. The that that's not the that's not like the the, the bad part about it. But the, what it does is it shows it shows the trend of where the Astros started and how they started on that, and then how it just could you know quickly progressed. And obviously, it's progressing with this guy moving up the ladder in uh, in the ba- in the front yeah. office as well. So come promotion time, hey, where's the nerd that brought us the Excel program? Give him a give him a full time position. Yeah, We're winning yeah. ball games out here. Yeah. So this is uh, it's pretty interesting when you're looking at the uh, the path of the of the Astros and the and his uh, and his career path. They're you know, they're in line. Yeah. And Lenau obviously had denied knowledge of the scheme, but this article also has proof that Lenau knew about it from September 22nd, 2016. And, uh, you know, they really escalated it in 2017. And, you know, I'm sure they escalated it past 2017 with other forms of relaying signals to hitters, uh, buzzers or, or something. Who, who the hell knows? 2014, the movie came out just so, as a reference. So it was out, okay. right? It was, you know, maybe he saw, maybe the intern kid saw it. He's like, wait a I minute. I definitely recommend because I know wait you Wait a minute. You just watched the um, the World War II Greatest Events on Netflix documentary in color. In color, stuff. yeah. I watched it too and I loved it. And uh, yeah, this movie is specifically about I forget the the guys. Oh, Alan Turing, the, the the Turing test. Alan Turing, Cumberbatch plays Alan Turing, who creates the computer to decipher the signs. It's a really great movie. Um, but yeah, just uh, <laughs> it's crazy. The whole thing is crazy, and it's yeah. not it's not dying anytime soon, unfortunately. No, no, no. It's 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 not. It's not. It's not going anywhere. And um, I think it's just going to continue to get worse. And it's baseball. That's- it's classic baseball for just trying to trying to squash the actual truth and trying to contain it. They've done this so many times. They did it with steroids. They they've probably done it in the past before we were even alive. How many times do they have to learn this lesson? This is not the way to go about something. Speaking of lessons uh, that that the MLB has put out there, they. Added one of the rules, right? Back in the day, don't cheat. It's number rule, whatever the, whatever rule it is, printed on the uh, clubhouse. But old Pete, old Pete Rose is back Sneaky in the game. Pete. He's back in the game using this as a as an opportunity to, to leverage it and and get back in, uh, you know, the good standings of of baseball and to to you know reduce that that lifetime ban so that he can be eligible for 
getting back in the game. And honestly, like I've seen people argue about this, like that it has nothing to do with the other. There, one is different than than this. There, you can't compare them. Um, but I will say this: when you look at what those what those penalties were, and and if you're comparing penalties based on like the the significance of something happening and the significance of the crime or the, you know, the, the actual uh, penalty against the rules. They're not close. They're not close. What if- heroes should be back in the goddamn game. He should be back in the game. And I know he's, what do you mean back he, in the game? You mean allowed in the baseball hall of fame or allowed to like do something for a team? It's the same thing. It's, it's, it's taking away that ban. Uh, I don't think he should ever have a job with any major league team again, but I do think he should be in the hall of fame. It doesn't even matter. I don't care about that. The, the The point is, is that the crime of what the the penalty for what he did compared to what the answer, and we're talking about the impact of the game itself. And I understand that there's other underlying things that happen with Pete Rose. He lied about it. Hello, but he also he also is you know denied it vehemently, like uh, in the beginning, and then also now he's still been betting baseball, which I find so well. Funny. It's he's it's his you know right. He's good, allowed to. You know what a good punishment would be for the Astros. Pete Rose has to be their manager. I don't want that. Pete Rose is a great baseball guy. No, but he is still allowed to bet on baseball. So he's just throwing games, certain games, because he's got like 10 grand on the game. Pete Rose never threw the game for baseball. He bet on his own team. And then he he bet against his team. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Yes, it is. Oh, I'm going to try harder now. I'm going to try harder on certain days and then not harder to win a, a game because I didn't bet on my team tonight. That's the same thing. That's not the same thing because that's the point. I don't think that happens. You that can't, ha- even if you try harder, doesn't mean you're going to win. No, no, no. He would use he would use uh, bullpen guys. He would he would he would even he admitted this. I would use certain bullpen guys on certain days because I had money on that game, and then I would basically not care what happened the next night because I didn't have money on the game. I'm not going down this road. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a, look, he what he did was not right. I understand that, but he's this man has served a long, long length, lengthy penalty. I it's time get this guy in because then we can talk about the rest of the 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 Hall of Fame and just yeah, like put, let's just dub everybody. Let's let's open the gates. Let's just get it over with and move on. Absolutely, put Pete Rose in and talk about his transgressions. Put the steroid guys in and put, talk about their transgressions. It's a museum. Like, museum does not suppress information. That's well, the I'm museum saying. still has those guys in. They're just not in as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. All right. Let's the museum part is, is actually inclusive with those. I don't know. I haven't been since... Uh, I forget when I was there. I think I was there when I was like 11 or 12 years there, old. I mean, there's a there's a, there's a a a section when I was there for the steroid era. Like, they're, they're, the guys are... They when talk did you about go? Them. When's the last time you went? Mm, four year, three years ago? Four years ago? Okay. Recently. Yeah. Let's get to mailbag questions. The first one up is from Jared. Given that Arenado is a 260 hitter with an 800 OPS away from Coors Field, do you really think the Yankees should give up Andujar for him? I think Andujar is a future silver slugger, while Arenado is today's Vinny Castilla. <laughs> uh, Arenado's career split. Uh, at home, he has a 130 WRC plus with a 413 weighted on base average. It's filthy. On the road, 109 WRC plus, 336 weighted on base average. Very solid, but not filthy. We've seen, you know, home road split trends like this before. Like, go look at Aaron Judge's home road splits and you're not going to like them. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at their career splits and you're looking at um, what is working in Colorado and what is not working outside Colorado, I mean, who's to say that he doesn't come into Yankee Stadium and have phenomenal career splits as well? 
a lot of Arenado could spread the ball. You look what look what LeMahieu did, and and that was the reason I made that bet in the first place uh, about him hitting you know twenty home runs was because he could take advantage of the ballpark. I think Arenado could do the same thing. Exactly, but but I just think it's like we know Coors Field is a hitter's ballpark. Like no one's denying Coors Field is a hitter's ballpark, so obviously people are going to have better numbers at Coors Field. And people treat that like it's a it's a knock. And now if if Arenado on the road had a 75 WRC plus, and you're like, okay, well, what the hell is going on? A 109 WRC plus career on the road is 9% above league average. It's not MVP level, but it's not dog shit. There aren't a lot of guys that have MVP-like level numbers on the road. Mike Trout. Th- throughout the entire season. Like, yeah, you want to have a cheat code, Mike Trout. But, like, most people have splits. Most people are more comfortable at home. And it's not always just the, the ballpark is a better hitter's ballpark. It it's helps. That, it's that you're home. What about the fact that uh, if he were in the American League East, he would be able to play in Yankee Stadium and Camden Yards with the both of them being, you Fenway know. Fenway Park. Uh, Fenway Park in left field. Toronto. Just the ball in the air. The there's, only there's, place that's not a hitter's ballpark in the American Tampa. League East is Tampa. And, and it's indoors, so, you know, maybe the ball flies a little bit better in there as well. It's a hockey arena. They got purple lights. I don't know what those purple lights are doing to the baseball. Probably maybe you can messing up guys Maybe vision. you could tell me what the purple lights are doing to the baseball and Making how it's it harder affecting. to hit. That's what it's doing. Yeah, there could be some kind of a, a you know, some, Bring an some EDM kind of, party in there. You can't some, hit in that environment. Something with the, the, Strobe the, lights. the light purple and the way it flows. You know, the ball can cut through the light purple. I think it's better than, you know, not purple, but. Look, there's there's just a lot of different things you could consider, and and who's to say that? Um, and I understand people are like Colorado that he spends half of his time there, and that's why those numbers are inflated. But he could have very good home splits somewhere else too. That's the other thing. And Arenado's a complete player. He's a fantastic defensive third baseman. So I mean, yeah, Anduar is not a complete player. <laughs> he's he's an offensive not, player. Not yet, at least. He's an offensive player who, if he hits his absolute peak absolute peak for Miguel Andujar is is Nolan Arenado offensively and that would be a uh, oh, maybe you know 1% chance he turns into that sort of complete offensive player but he's yeah. never going to be Nolan Arenado no he'll Arenado never be that defensively defensive. no he won't be he doesn't have the the, the instinct that Arenado does Arenado's so, just very smooth so and would has I, a vacuum at third would I really give up Andujar for him I will pay for Miguel Andujar's plane ticket out to Colorado <laughs> if it means the Yankees are going to get uh, Nolan Arenado. Yeah. I mean, people are looking at that. You're looking at the money and the value. And like, I understand where you're, where, where people's heads could go with that. If you're just looking at offensive, but I think that Arenado just, he's, he, because he's a complete player because he, he, he sucks up everything at, at third base as well. Um, you know, if you combine, if you combine Gio Urshela, his use his defensiveness and then put Andujar's bat, which is a little bit more pop, even though uh, Urshela showed a lot more potential with the bat last year. Then you have almost. 75% of Arenado. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, almost a good, as good of a player as Arenado. And that's that's if Urshela's going out every half inning to play defense and Andohar's batting every at-bat. That'd be cool if you could do that for one position. That would be it. That'd be interesting, like a, like a line shift. Like yeah. A, yeah. MLB wants to create more jobs. You get a, a defensive wizard out there. You get you get someone who can just go snag it. Like Tyler Wade now instantly is a major league player. He just plays defense. He's a defensive yeah. specialist. He's a defensive jabberwocky. Ooh. Kind of like that. I mean, that's what that's what the position that's what the position can be called. We I like have it. to designate it ahead of time. Ahead of time for the game. Whole game. 
Whole game, can he switch spots? He can switch spots. So that means he's he's like one guy could get a uh, a breather in the field. No, no, no. I'm, I, he can switch spots game to game. He can't switch spots. So he has to play defense on third. If you so if you're saying okay, he's going to be a, sh- a shortstop today. He can only play shortstop. Okay, I think it would be kind of cool though if he could like one defensive guy could go all over the place. So then then you, you, then you start seeing change, like these change him inning by inning. Change. You start seeing these. Yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. If, you start if, seeing these like def, like crazy athletes that are out there just you know catching fly balls, catching ground balls, and now guys are just training to be defenders. Right. So like say Aaron Judge. You know, it's like oh, I gotta, I gotta take a poop. Oh, yeah, so, I gotta so, wait. Go out to right field for me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. <laughs> Next question. Why can't they do that in the minor leagues? That's such a minor leagues thing. It is. Test That'd be that great out for the, the minor leagues. Test yeah. that out in the golf league or wherever the hell they test things. Yeah, that's a good one. All petition. right. Next question is from Sanuth. That's how the pronunciation was sent to me. What do you guys think the Yankees would have to give up in a potential Arenado trade? We talked about that last week. Frazier, Antuar, Garcia, slash Smith, and more. Does Floreal still have value? Last week, we said two major league ready players, Andujar and Frazier, and then two prospects. I said two prospects not named Jason Dominguez. So, yeah, um, Garcia and Schmidt would qualify there. It would uh, be difficult but, to give up both of those guys plus the major league guys. That's a hell of a haul for a guy that you're paying a shit ton of money. There would have to be some other things there, I think. That's, I think that's too much to, to ask. Well, then maybe the Yankees don't take on complete money. If they give up more players, maybe, or they're giving up one of these, you know, I think some of the prospects would be, would be less. Okay. I don't think you're giving up that many high, high level prospects. What I really want to talk about was Florial. He asked us, uh, Florial still have value. So his stock has definitely dropped. Yeah. A year ago, or maybe a year and a half ago, he was ranked number one to three overall. A year ago, baseball America had him number one. Right, but like MLB Pipeline, I think had him number two or number three, and like Baseball America, like different Baseball Perspective, my one yeah. to three, top three in the Yankee system, and now I've seen him anywhere from seven to outside the top ten. Yeah, Baseball America had him when I was talking to Badler; they had him outside the top ten. I mean, look, it, it has nothing to do with his abilities or, or what they think his abilities can be. It's the fact that he hasn't stayed on the field, and when they've seen him on the field, he hasn't cleaned up the things that. He needs to, and because it's directly tied with more playing time. Yeah, injuries. And he's, these injuries and are injuries, and they're fluky injuries. Like he's been hit by the ball. That he that had wrist the injury. Wrist, the uh, same wrist injury. Who also had that wrist injury? It was a similar, same wrist injury to somebody else. I forget who. Um, but he he injured him. We were at that game. That was the spring training game when we had the event last year, and uh, or two years. You know, it was last year where he went for the ball and uh, and hurt his wrist, Florial. The because I remember we get we got updates on our phones after he made that play. We didn't know he was hurt. So, so Florio was really like the first injury, right? Yeah, he oh, was yeah. like the well, first I, domino. We're not talking about minor leagues. I mean, that list could be huge. Who knows? I don't even know how many guys are on the minor league IL. Yeah. Is it the DL in the minor leagues or is it the IL in the minor leagues? No, they're probably testing some other terminology. Got to got to stay above that PC, man. You got you got to stay above that bar. So. I mean, does he still have value? Yeah, but not the same value. And also, he becomes expendable to the Yankees, and other teams know it because they have Dominguez, who is just flying up prospect boards, and he's a center fielder. He is flying up boards, but you know that doesn't mean he's his time frame is going to be, you know, insanely fast. It could be, but they're going to be careful with him, and they're definitely going to be careful with him, uh, and make sure that his progression is is the way it should, you know, the way it should be. He just turned seventeen years old, so this is a guy Dominguez, that they have time. Yeah. 
Dominguez yeah. turned 17. So Floreal, Floreal's what, 22 now? He's young. But the thing with Floreal is that his stock, while it's it's dropped because of the injuries and you know just the lack of time for his development, it could absolutely skyrocket. It could skyrocket in oh, half yeah. of a season. Uh, so uh, by a mid-year... A healthy season in 2020... He's 22 yeah. years old. A healthy season in 2020, he could, you know, shoot all the way up to double A or even triple A. And then he's back in the top three of Yankees prospects. Easily. You could see mid-season reports because a lot of these guys put him out before and then mid-season as well. Uh, you could see him top five again if he's healthy because that's the type of player he is. He's a freak athlete and he, they, they love him as a player. Um, ben Badler, the one thing that he talked about, he talked about this last year and then this year. And the reason why it's still the same narrative is because he hasn't shown that he can fix it because he hasn't been on the field. But it's one of the big things is, uh, is awareness at the plate, not, not having full control at the plate, not having full, um, you know, plate discipline and being able to show that he's got that maturation level where he can, you know, lay off certain pitches and, and focus on uh, different zones. And again, I think that's just a development maturation process and the priority for that and necessity is being on the field. Mm-hmm. All right. Next one's kind of interesting. It's from Tom. To what extent do non-disclosure agreements exist in baseball, and what are the chances that the Yankees have used NDAs to keep scandals similar to the Boston and Houston ones under wraps? So I, I couldn't tell if he was talking about front office people and employees or players. I couldn't, you know, I'm sure NDA, NDAs definitely exist for front office and employees of, of teams. I mean, absolutely. Just like any NDA exists in any, any um, corporate environment, any industry, there's NDAs yep. that you have to sign. But for players, there's I don't I couldn't find anything about NDA. Um, that's a, what I'm you know what I'm sort of guessing is is one of the unwritten rules of baseball. You don't you don't tell, you don't rat. It's in your best interest not to talk. You don't rat. I mean, like when you go from one team to another. Uh, no, you talk one team to another. Obviously, that happened. This whole cheating scandal has brought about that information that guys go from team to team and say, "Hey, here's what we were doing over here." Yeah. But but uh, you don't you don't talk publicly. Oh, publicly. Um, Far, um, Fires did. So did Farquhar. Farquhar and Fires did, but but you know the, most guys don't. It depends on what it is. If we haven't seen something like this in in however long, it ha- that's how the steroids uh, got broken out. Players started talking. Jose Canseco was a freaking chatterbox. Players started they- talking though after after. Um, after it came out, after there right. was evidence, they didn't start talking before. Jose started Canseco talking, didn't say there was I, a lot of there were a lot of things that were in parallel. When when you see that these there's enough smoke where you can say, okay, now I'm not going to be out there on an island. There's evidence to behind back to back what I'm saying. Now I can go out there and talk. I think that's when you see a lot more of these whistleblowers to go out there and speak. Is so, that they're not going to get completely exposed as a guy that's just a whistleblower and be on an island that because there's evidence behind it. I think when there is that evidence that you are now looked at a little bit differently. I forget where I heard this, but apparently in the late 80s, when Jose Canseco was with Oakland, he was at Fenway Park and everyone in Fenway Park was chanting steroids, steroids, and Jose Canseco would turn to the crowd and flex. <laughs> like, he <laughs> was like, yeah, I'm doing steroids. Like, what, what of it? Like, look at my muscles. Yeah. So it's not that he was denying it. <laughs> But he wasn't, you know, going to a reporter or going on television being like, okay, here's what I've been doing. In 1988, you could have Andro legally and take it. He was it wasn't against the baseball. Andrew, but I'm just saying it wasn't against the rules. 
those a lot of those rules Sorry, came into Sarai, play once. Uh, didn't they, know I couldn't do that. They when they when they started implementing all those rules, the steroid rules, and naming more substances. That's when things started getting a lot more widespread because now you're seeing guys. Maybe they're not taking the horse, you know, the horse steroids that some of these guys were. Maybe they're taking things like Andro or you know HGH or the cream or whatever the hell it is, which is you know at, at some point in the culture of baseball was probably okay it was fine you know like nobody turned a, a weird eye to it but now when you're starting to inject like horse steroids and hormones into your ass a little different it's the same thing as the cheating scandal it's the it's progressions to which you push it if yes. you're using the replay room to figure out signs and then you're trying to relay that to the guy on second base who then has to relay that to the hitter every team's doing that Probably. and i think that's i think you know within the context of baseball that would have stayed under wraps and everyone would have been cool with it but when you're banging trash cans and having buzzers attached to guys nuts, then you've got an issue. When you're when you're rubbing cream and clear and taking andro and just trying to get a little bit of an edge, everyone's doing that in the gym. Okay, I don't want to work out today, but I got a little something to, to get me into. No, Barry Bonds is going to inject something into his ass that turns his head into the size of a hot air balloon. He's going to hit 73 home runs. Now we've got an issue. <laughs> right. Because that guy always has to take it to the next level. He's always there's always, to the there's next always level. somebody who's got to get greedy and be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to the next level. Yes. I'm going to the next level and this is what's going to happen. And there'll and be I'm something be in the baseball in 10, 15 ever. years that happens again. Where yeah. And, and honestly, it'll probably be steroids again. Like, I feel like that. Who knows it, what it's going to be. The steroid cycle, if you will, will come back around. We're going to forget that steroids were a thing. And then, yeah. Well, they're and they're so they're probably so far ahead of. Can we if, go through the cocaine era again? I want. Yeah, the, I wanna, where's the I want to the greenies era. The greenies era might be back. I want to live know. through like the the mid '80s Daryl Strawberry Doc Gooden cocaine era. I want to see how the teams perform. I want to see what teams. Look Social like. media in the cocaine era. Wow, yeah, that would be some that's entertainment. True. You can't can't those don't mix. Too many guys posting on Instagram stories. Social media back in like the the um, the '86 Mets around that clubhouse would have been a friggin' disaster. Yeah, you, you can't. Have it would have been entertaining as hell. You can't have players showing up with booger sugar on their upper lip. <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that that happen. But NDAs they certainly happen on a player on the bat on the front office, and I guarantee there are some things there. But I, also there are I I think in within an NDA like if you're gonna break an NDA and it has to do with something like this like there are. I'm sure lawyers that can that can walk you through the steps of if you're going to break this because of the type of scandal because it's unethical like there's underlying language a lot of times in NDAs based on that. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know what's in players' contracts. That sort of I don't know what to, to what extent that kind of stuff is discussed in players' contracts. I'm sure there's like specific team information that is under an NDA. You know, specific team information. Um, proprietary information. Proprietary information. But what you do in a clubhouse, what you talk about amongst your players and amongst your teammates and amongst your coaches is not... I don't but at the same time, if that proprietary information puts you in a position where you're morally and ethically, you know, going against your code and how you and, and what you think is right or wrong, very well could break an NDA. What is um? What is it? What do you think an example? I'm trying to come up with an example of maybe proprietary information. Maybe it's like, um, scouting. It's probably scouting reports. A, a, a particular way they uh, scout. A particular way that they go out about uh, processes. Training, you know, yeah. all, all, all sorts of different things that they that they have internally. You can't talk about probably if you're in the front office or if you're in some kind of an admin position of a team, hmm. like any team, you, like any organization, job, any organization. Yeah. Okay. 
Lee Jones, who uh, we hear from quite often. What's up, Lee? He says, hi, guys. I know you're sick of talking about the Astros, so feel free to stop reading this now. Oh, we're not Ooh. sick. Well, Lee, sick we, of it. Well, Lee, we've, it. we've talked about everything. Yeah, because you've been away. Uh, however, when Scott was complaining that the penalties didn't affect the Astros team itself, I thought of something that they do in soccer that you might, ha- might have approved of. How about if the 2020 Astros start the season with a record of 0-25? They still play all 162 games, but even if they won their first 25 games, they'd still only be at 500. Then in 2021, it would be 0-15, 2022, 0-10, etc. Um, and, so uh, they do this in soccer apparently now? Apparently they do this in soccer now. The English the English Premier League's got some funky rules. They do some weird shit, man. I got to tell you, what's what's funny to me is that, that Lee is now referring to soccer as soccer and not football anymore. because <laughs> yeah, he knows. He's, 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 Ameri- he's Americanized the mailbacks. I think uh, he dumps it down for us. Yes. Oh, yeah, he definitely does. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, I mean, this just, my first initial thought is, okay, so the Astros are 0-25 to start the season no matter what happens in those first 25 games. So those first 25 games that they played, do the other team automatically get those wins? And then what happens on game 26? Like, it's just, no, no, that's no. never going to work. No, no, you're missing the point here. It's just, it would be all about per- win percentage for them. Because those 25 games would not have anything to do with anybody else. It just goes against okay, their win so percentage. Okay, so opening day, they play whoever, Oakland. Right. Yeah. yeah. Does Oakland automatically get that win? No, you're they everybody starts the season at zero zero, except for the Astros, who now have a twenty-five it's a handicap. That's all it is. It's a handicap. It's saying you have a minus twenty-five handicap right now. Now you gotta dig out from that. That's it. So there's there's no wins. There's no wins attached to that. It's just a matter of your record now, your percentage is based you have on to 187 win. games. Yeah. You gotcha. have to win five you have to win twenty-five games to get to five hundred. Well, I'm stupid, huh? <laughs> yeah, you are. Because I was like, wait a minute. So no, nobody else other is team wins. doesn't even have to show up. They could just like sit up there and pick dingleberries out of their ass and they get the win. That's how we get rid of the opener. Just get automatic wins. <laughs> oh, man, I am dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's a uh, look. I, I, I'm surprised they do that in soccer, but the fact is. I'm not. Soccer's weird. Yeah, I don't know anything about soccer. So um, the. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe. I guess you could penalize them for winning percentage at that point, but you're still affecting, um, you know. You're affecting a lot of things because if you know that's happening, are free agents going to want to come to your team? Is it going to be less likely for guys to come to your team? Probably. Is it going to be? It affects a lot of other things. I think that are that go around the dynamics of baseball that I don't think the players' union would allow, um, and that I don't think uh, some of the other, you know, uh, you know, governing bodies would 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 be up for 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 doing that because I think it does affect different parts of the team that shouldn't be affected for this type of penalty. Um. Do you think if the Astros had a 25-game penalty, they would still make the playoffs? No. I just did the math. Uh, they would have a 535 winning percentage if they won 100 games based on 187 game schedule. 187 games. So if they won 100 games next year, which is doable for them. Like, sure. Like, their roster is still great. Yeah. Um, five, 535 winning percentage, which probably puts them in wildcard territory. Area, yeah. Then, holy cow. That would be very confusing because now you're not talking like one game changes it, two games change it. The winning percentage is thrown all the way off uh, at the end of a wild at the end of the season for a wild card if they were in it and that happened. Because their math is much different than everybody else's math. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't think it would. Uh, you you could look. The way to do it is hit the team harder by penalizing the actual people involved. With I mean, what so happened. yeah, the only way Bottom people line. were going to be happy with this is if players, Bregman, Correa, Altuve, Springer, et cetera, got 
game penalties. That's the only way people were going to be satisfied. And then even then they wouldn't have been satisfied. It's not enough. It's not enough. Right. But that's how you, that's how you. Did we ask, I forget if I asked you this, how many games would you suspend the players involved? The players involved. Because then it's also like, okay, so uh, supposedly, you know, our guy Cameron Mabin was heavily involved in this because that guy who made that, that computer algorithm um, that figured out all the bangs, Cameron Mabin received like one of the highest percentage of bangs per pitches seen. Yeah. So yeah. like, do you, how do you, how do you decide who is involved? Is it the orchestrators? Is it the guys who received the most uh, benefit? Like it's, it's so, this is probably why MLB didn't suspend players. Cause it's like, I how think do we that, do this? I think that is part of the reason it's kind of like the NCAA paying, paying college players. How do you decipher who gets what? Because now you're going down a path where everybody's playing, but do is one guy more beneficial of, of, of money? Is this guy more beneficial from the bangs? Like, what, what's the deal here? How do you get break that down? That's a science in and of itself. So I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but I, I think that you have to look at whatever the data you have, decipher it. And if it's a guy that you believe, you have to make a decision as, as the governing body. You believe, based on evidence, this guy benefited from uh, from this cheating scheme. And because of that, his level of, of benefit or because he benefited, is that it? Is it just cl- clear and dry? Uh, if you benefited from it, period, at all, then you get a penalty. Maybe that's it. And do I, what do I think would be? I think, it, you know, you're looking at half of a season for some of these guys, I think should be should be in there. I, I think that the managers and all of the front office guys, like a lot of that should be much higher. This intern so, who's climbed the, the ranks based on the freaking cheating should be penalized. <laughs> this is why this is all horseshit. You have the guys who were directly involved, obviously benefiting from the information they've brought and their position within this scheme, climbing the ranks of the Houston Astros. How did any of this affect the culture of what the Astros have been doing? Oh, no, None I of agree it. a thousand percent. Everybody they did nothing in that, to stop that it. organization needs to be completely wiped out. They Everyone did nothing to in that stop organization it. needs to be cleaned out. This is what it was driving me crazy last standpoint. week when you were telling me that they were they were they were doing enough that people would think twice. Like I don't believe that. I think these penalties are nothing compared to what happened. The fact that they won the World Series, they literally did the thing that everybody is striving for, and they cheated. And now this guy, who was an intern in the beginning of this cheating, is now at a senior level. He's benefiting from it and still there he's just gonna take the spot of the guy that got suspended there's no difference um so in fact he's probably better (laughs) first time steroid violation gets 80 games so that's half a season essentially there you go Um, these guys should get half a season in your mind yeah maybe you could tie it to the to the steroid penalties in in some capacity then yeah well you're receiving competitive advantage yeah you are i'm saying if you're if you're looking for a guideline if you're we've looking heard, for a yeah. guideline, that's that's a guideline that's that's existing. I mean, we've heard pitchers say, "I'd rather face a guy juice out of his mind than who knows what pitch is coming." Absolutely, because everybody's got the ability to hit a ball when they know it's coming. It's a pitching machine at that point, right? Hmm. God, this it's it really hits a nerve, man. It pisses me. This whole thing really pisses me off. Yeah, it does. That's why we're not going to stop talking about. It. <laughs> Let's get to out of left field. That out Sanchez destroys that to left field. There it goes. Deep to left. Really deep. In the air to left field. Back at the track. At the wall. We are tied. I pissed on a public building. Yeah. Talking about stuff that pisses people off. My elevator is pissing me off because I have a dumb elevator. It's it's unintelligent. 
It's not programmed right. I don't know what's wrong with it, but it is a stupid elevator. Would your elevator know if the Astros had a 0-25 to record starting the season that other teams would not get wins? No, there's not enough buttons on the elevator to figure that out. <laughs> so okay. I, I live in an old building, and when I moved in a few years ago, they were in the process of replacing the elevator. It used to be like one of those double-door elevators, like super old school. Yeah. And uh, I was happy they were replacing because I was like, that thing freaks me out. And there's been horror stories in Manhattan about elevators out of code and killing people. I and mean, there was a guy in Midtown who died because the elevator was out of code. And it dropped? It just did it fall down it, the It crushed him. The yeah. shaft? Yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck. This happened last year, I think. There's a building in Midtown, like a nice building in Midtown whose elevator was out of code. And I'm sure there's a number of them. Yeah. Oh, hundreds, yeah. hundreds of elevators not in code, I'm sure. So I was, I was like, okay, great. Yeah. Take the 12 weeks it takes to replace the elevator because I want it to be up to code. But whoever programmed this thing didn't program it correctly because it, no matter what button you press up or down, when it passes the floor, it stops at the floor and opens. So say I live on the sixth floor. I press the button to go down. Someone from the lobby is going up to say the seventh floor. What the elevator should do is take that person to the seventh floor, come down to the sixth floor, pick me up, and take me down to the lobby. But what it does is stops at the sixth floor, opens up. So I'm like, uh, do I get on? I see someone on. Does this like where's this elevator coming from? So I get on the elevator, and then I ride up to seven, and then I ride back down to six, and I'm like, what, what's going on here? And what ha- And now it's spiraled out of control. And I think it's getting worse because I've noticed. Does it re- more- does it reopen on six again? Yes. Oh, you didn't tell me that part before. Yes, it reopens on six. It double opens on six. Oh. So what has happened is phantom stops because I think people are experiencing the same thing I am on floors like two, three, four. If you're on floor three and you're waiting like five minutes for the elevator to figure out what friggin' floor it wants to stop on, you're like, screw this, I'm just gonna walk down the steps. So now I'll just, I'm taking the local elevator down the floors because everyone's pressing buttons and no one knows where the hell it's going. And now I'm stopping on every floor with no one getting on it. It has taken me, I'm not exaggerating, close to like seven or eight minutes to just get out the door some mornings. I'm in, I've lost my goddamn (laughs) mind with this elevator. I'm boycott. I think I'm boycotting my elevator on the way down. I don't, you know, six floors up is still kind of annoying. Going down is fine. I'll take it up. But I think I'm boycotting the elevator on the I got to tell you, I don't think the elevator gives a shit if you're boycotting it or not. No, just for my own sati- for my own personal sanity. Because yeah. I'm one of these people. I don't know if you figured this out. You, you most certainly have. But maybe the listeners have not figured this out. Something, you know, horrific, tragedy. Like, I'll take in stride and I'll try and be calm. One little minor, you know. In, it's, in a, it's, a, it's Seinfeld. Yeah, one minor injustice and I blow my stack. I lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> Yeah, you live a Seinfeld. You live a Seinfeld episode. One minor much all the time. inconvenience: the elevator potentially not being programmed correctly. I cannot tell you. I've roughly thought about this for ten hours over the past. <laughs> so, if you let me ask you a question: if you're if you lived on the the third floor, and I know you don't, you live on the sixth floor, so I, it, it's a very clear answer for me. But if you live on the third floor, do you take the elevator down? Uh, people do it and I get mad at them. Would you? I don't openly get mad at them. I would not, no. I feel like four is like the first level you can take the elevator down. Four, three, because or there's de- also- depending on, Or depending on the situation and the amount of no elevators one. that have. There's no one. One is the lobby. 
Well, yeah, okay. So you're two flights of stairs. If you're on floor three, you're two flights of stairs down. That's not a lot. Right. It's almost yeah. the same time, unless you're carrying something. Especially in a, in, a, in, a, in a building where you know the elevator is slow and does weird things. Like, you walk. Yeah, if you're carrying something, it's a different story. I cannot – like, I've seen people who uh, will wait in the lobby because the elevator's you know, doing its own damn thing, just, like, spazzing out <laughs> up on floor seven. And then they're waiting in the lobby, and then they get in the lobby and press two. I'm like, you could have been in your apartment on your couch five minutes ago. Yeah. What are you doing? And they had nothing in their hands? No. Just coming home from work. That's that's pure laziness. There's no there is no room in this world for people like that. I'm sorry. I agree. <laughs> you need to walk up the goddamn stairs. I've walked up six flights of stairs because the elevator's spazzing out yeah. before. Never mind the I would argue that if you live on the second floor of a two-story building, that you're not even allowed. It should be in the in the in the lease. You're not allowed to use the elevator up it or down. There should be no unless stop you, on floor two. <laughs> unless you have Unless you have things in your hand, like you're physically altered by walking up the stairs. More than two bags of groceries, I think. That's it. Or if, yeah, I mean, even if you're like sick, like just walk up the goddamn stairs. (laughs) You know, like something, if if your ankle, if if you're physically injured, okay. Crutches, no crutches, it's just like a limp, walk up the stairs. Yeah, it's really, it's really frustrating. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> it's the biggest problem in my life right now. Ja- James are there- Paxson getting back surgery and my elevator. Those are the two biggest, th- two biggest uh, things in my pro- uh, two biggest problems in my life right now. If you live in a house, which I do, it's a two-story house. There's no elevator. Right. I don't ever. I don't ever take the stairs. I don't ever take an elevator up and down. No, I walk up the stairs and I walk down the stairs, like every single other person does in this in this world. They walk up and down the stairs. Why do you, because you're living in a building, does that change? Because there's an elevator. Yeah, because there's going an to the excuse for laziness. There's an opportunity for laziness. Just like there was an opportunity for cheating in Major League Baseball, there's an opportunity for laziness with, the, with an elevator. And humans are naturally going to take the lazy way out. Disgraceful. Um, when I moved into the building, the elevator was down for 12 weeks. So for 12 weeks, we had to walk up and down six flights of stairs. And, you yeah. know, it was definitely annoying, especially when you had stuff to carry. But... The crazy thing is there's people, like old people in my building. I don't know how they manage. I don't think they left the building for 12 weeks. Let me put the other caveat in there. Old people can use an elevator. Of course. At, at any point. Like if you're physically altered because of your age, you could use it. Let me, I just want to make sure this is not, my, my opinion has nothing to do with it. If you're altered in any way, you can use it. You can use an elevator. If, if the elevator's working normally, you can use an elevator. Fine. But be, this elevator doesn't work normally. And Not if you live in a, in a building where there's one elevator that goes up and down and you are and you live on the second floor. You should not second use Second and third floor people are just adding to the problem because they press the button to go down. And then they realize, well, I'm going to have to stand here for like four minutes. I'm not going to do that. I can be out the door in two minutes. <laughs> Screw that. 30 seconds I can be out the door. So what they're doing so is they're, they're pressing hitting- the button and then they're leaving. They're, they're hitting the button and, and going into it before they hit the button, they know that – I'm going to hit this button. And if it's not here in 10 seconds, if it's not like around me, I'm going to do it just in case it's around me. But if I'm not, I'm going to walk. And that's screwing up everybody. Yes, it's screwing up everyone. So it's compounding the problem. The elevator's the elevator's slightly dumb. But when people are at like not following the proper elevator rules, it gets even dumber. It you need to make to a sign. Moronic levels. You need to make a sign for the I second and third. I can't be a sign guy. For I the second. college once. For the second. Hold on. We'll get to that. The second and third floors that says if you're not willing to wait 
more than 15 seconds for this elevator make a good decision and don't hit the button. So I, uh, I lived in a frat house my junior and senior year of college. And when I say this thing was filthy, like it was beyond filthy. It was so bad. One semester we had a fly infestation yeah. on the first floor, like yeah. jumbo mutant flies. Thousands. I'm not exaggerating. Thousands of flies. We all had spray, like spray fly killer that would like paralyze their wings. And we would just spray it in the air and watch flies drop to the ground and then actually step up. It was disgusting. Okay. There was probably something dead under your house, just so you know. Oh, but, okay. A thousand percent. Well, that's why those big flies were there. I just those big pull. flies are usually ones that are coming from dead, dead I, carcasses. I was going to say, I pray it wasn't a body and I pray it was a carcass of, of some, some sort. kind. Yeah. So... But but this was a different time when, you know, people would just cook something and then leave the dishes everywhere. They would just leave it in the sink. Oh, yeah, it, it I lived to, in a fraternity house. It needs the same to thing. soak. They would take a glass of water and then put it back in the sink and be like, oh, it needs to soak. Just being yeah. assholes. And the dishes would sit there until someone wanted to use them. And they're like, okay, I guess I need to use a dish. So I guess I have to clean this dish to use it. And yeah, they were yeah. just one dish at a time. So I said, I made a sign because I just got fed up. If your dish is in the, the sink... Yeah. For three or more days, I'm throwing it out. People just didn't believe me. So one day I lost my goddamn mind and I <laughs> threw out every dish, every glass, every piece of silverware we owned. And from there on out, we used paper everything. Not good for the environment, but it kept the kitchen cleaner and running yeah. more smoothly. I just threw it all in the dumpster, smashed it all in the dumpster. Yeah, I probably would have thrown it out the window. The the uh that that's a that's a very warranted sign. Those signs those signs definitely existed in our fraternity. I give a three day limit too. That's generous. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're like one of the older guys in there, like you can. Definitively I was a set, at this time. You yeah. can set rules at that point. If they don't listen, you can make a goddamn sign because they're animals. And yeah, like we all, if we went to college and you lived in a house with more than three people, you probably and and maybe more than one. Or just by yourself, this also happened. But anybody in college, dishes mounted. Just, just they just mounted. Yeah, just mounted. Unless there was like a a girl living with you, because they were the only clean clean people that I knew in college. Um, yeah, they mounted, and it was terrible. We had a dishwasher, but it was broken. That's a problem. <laughs> and obviously, we weren't going to pay to replace it because that's lunacy. Yeah, our kitchen in our fraternity house was disgusting for a long time. Yeah, we abandoned the first floor during a fly infestation of 20... I think that was 2008. I guarantee there was something dead under your house. We had a cat, too. So I feel like the cat kept most of, like, the mice out. So it was probably, like, a a big animal. Probably. Because that's how those big... you know, Or the cat just killed, like... What they do is they start dozens of mice and rats, and then the flies just, just making in. a making a, a a carcass pile of and maggots, and they turn into flies because that's what those flies probably were. That cat was a fighter too. That cat, that cat saw some shit. Anyway, yeah, not not an easy life when you live in a fraternity house that, as, that, as an as an animal. Out of left field, I uh, kind of got a, a a double whammy there for the out of left field. <laughs> Any anything else you want to discuss? Now we got pitchers and catchers, baby. Grown ass men throwing baseballs back and forth this coming week. Maybe we name the episode next week. Grown ass men throwing baseballs in shorts and t-shirts. I love it. Um, couple things, uh, housekeeping that, that we didn't really get to. Um, uh, BP crew, we are, we're doing a, a massive, 
like organization where we're getting all the people to the their chapters and making sure that that guys are and girls are able to find their chapters in their city. So if you are a baseball fan, a Yankees fan outside of the New York City area or in the New York City area, um, you can go to the just search BP crew, two words, BP, then crew on Facebook. And then we have a group in there where we're organizing people and getting into their um, to their designated uh, spots with where, from where you live. There's a lot of chapters that already exist, so we're just kind of filtering people into them. But go there, and uh, it, there's a link to it on the top of our website on the very top. You can get there directly from there. But go there and um, you know make a post, say, hey, I live in X city, and we will point you in the direction of people who like the Yankees. Voila, we're, we're setting up all these watch parties. A lot of guys, uh, a lot of these chapters already have watch parties set for the year. Mm-hmm. A lot of good things happening there. So make sure you go and, um, and, and get into that. And I know Philly crew is doing a off season um, get together in the next, uh, in the next week or two. I think it's the 20 something. So they're, they're getting together before the season even starts just to say what's up and meet people. They're having a, a spring training for their watch parties yeah yeah, yeah. so you gotta, there's yeah, a, you gotta get back into baseball mode you gotta get dr- used to drinking you know some beers and stuff like that's that. right yeah. you gotta get all the you, you gotta talk about all the, for the winter yeah talk about all the get all the steroid or get all the uh, get cheating, all the talk cheating out of scandal it. get all the Paxton injury stuff get all the coal signing stuff out of the way so then once the regular season starts you baseball focus baby. on what's happening yeah i love oh, it so yeah there's a lot of good things happening there and then obviously we have spring training we'll be down there on uh the 13th 14th going to the games uh, our spring training game is sold out, but go and um, we're going to be having an after party. Sailor Jerry sponsoring S- the Sailor after Jerry's, party. We, Sailor Jerry sponsoring the after party. We haven't really mentioned that on this show. So Sailor we Jerry. mentioned a little bit. Yeah. Sailor Jerry is going to be a sponsor of ours at uh, spring training. There's going to be some videos that are coming out, some content that's coming out. We're all we're going to be renting an awesome house um, sponsored by Sailor Jerry. And then there's going to be an after party on March 14th. After our game event, we're all going to go to a bar and uh, sponsored by Sailor Jerry. So even if you're not coming to the game event, if you're going to be there, come to the bar. Come hang out with us. Come party with us. It's going to be yeah. a, a hell of a lot of fun. It's going to be fun. We're, we got, got a good bar, too, and a, and a good spot. And um, yeah, so then also the events that are happening, go to the website. The first one is uh, May 9th against the Red Sox. Then we have the Trenton event. That one's going to be a ton of fun, too. It's different. We're going to Trenton for uh, the Thunder Trenton Thunder game on June 13th. It's a night game, and we have a whole bunch of stuff planned. The, a meet and greet with Rookie. We're doing it's gonna a be tailgate. A, that's going to be like a full day thing. Yeah. It's going to be and awesome. A, a lot of people are, are going to be um, you know participating from our group in the in-between inning things, like the Dizzy Bat race. And, you going to start you know, training? When are you going to start sack, training? When it, for training for what? June 13th. Um, soon, I guess. No, I'm not going to train. I'm not going to train for anything. Then uh, the June 26th of the Cubs. August 22nd is the Blue Jays, so I guess I am going to go over it. But go to the website. They're all in the fan shop. You can buy tickets for them now. Um, the Red Sox game is already selling a lot, so I would not wait for that one. Get your crew together and join uh, the rest of us. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for a new season. It's it's happening. Like I feel like the, the buzz is in the air. And on Tuesday, we got grown-ass men throwing balls back and forth. Will we see Mookie Betts and David Price in a Red Sox uniform on May night? Yes or no? No. Oh, on May 9th. No. No. I also, Probably not. I also agree, no. But. Too far, it's gone too far. But. It would be fun. It would be hilarious if they were. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode. We will talk to you guys next week. Hey. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.